Thanks, Bill. Good morning, everyone. And um, it is, in fact, the final week of our series looking at the book of Psalms. And uh, this week, we are going to be um, finishing up looking at one of the types of Psalms. And um, do you remember the first week we talked about the fact that the book of Psalms, as we have it, is a collection of 150 individual Psalms, and they are classified according to their different types. And there's different types of Psalms that are used for different occasions, and we've looked so far at a few different types of Psalms. And this morning we're going to finish up the series looking at three different Psalms that talk about praising God and their praise psalms is their classification and these psalms are designed to help bring us into a place of praising God encouraging us to praise him and to incorporate praise into kind of our the kind of the rhythm of our everyday lives and and how to do that and that's one of the big functions of the book of psalms is to kind of help us incorporate praise and praising god into kind of the everyday patterns and and just workings of our lives so um if you've been here for all three weeks you know that the first week we looked at um, psalm 1 and psalm 24 and in those psalms we got a foundation for how to live life before god psalm 1 um, encourages us to look really closely at God's word and to follow and pattern our lives after God's word. And it works in tandem with Genesis chapter 1, the great creation story, and then also Joshua chapter 1. These three chapters work together to incorporate um, this idea of what it is to live before God and to have wisdom as the foundation of our lives and to see the foundation of all of that in the fact that God is our creator and the fact that he has created us. And because he's created us and we are his, then we can um, build our lives upon his word and we can follow his plan for our lives with confidence and trust. And so Psalm 1 helps us to see that. Psalm 24 teaches us how to come into God's presence, give us clean hands and a pure heart that we may ascend the hill of the Lord. And this whole idea of, of coming into his presence and asking for him to draw us close. So last week was the second week and we looked at two different types of psalms. We looked at lament psalms, the ones that when you are um, in times of grief and sorrow and despair that can come in and bring comfort. And uh, then we finished out looking at psalms of thanksgiving, those psalms that really give voice to those times when we feel like we just are experiencing God's favor, his greatness, his goodness in our lives. We know his, his love and just those times where we want to worship him and give him thanks and praise. So those psalms are, are there to help give voice to those times in our lives. And then it also teaches us that thanksgiving is appropriate in every season of life. And so sometimes um, those times of thanksgiving are very kind of spontaneous or they feel like a very natural reaction to what's happening in our lives. But there's other times when thanksgiving is, is appropriate and fitting to give to God no matter what is happening in our lives. So that leads us to this week where we're looking at another um, part of the book of Psalms. We're looking at um, three Psalms this morning, and we're going to um, look at this idea of these three Psalms teaching us what it is to praise God and what it is to um, encourage us to do that. Now, these Psalms don't just um, give words of praise to God and leave it there, but they also teach us some things about the character of God. So as they're 
they're praising God, they're also teaching us about his ways and teaching us about what he is like. And um, that's some of the great things about the Psalms is you get these insights into God's character in the midst of these other things that are happening. So as God is being worshipped, they're declaring these things about God and about his character. And those are, are things that can help us to get to know him more the more familiar we become with, with his word and with the Psalms. We get to know through the example of these Psalms, the, the worship of Israel and the words that they use and the phrases that they use, we get to know what God is like in the midst of them, um, also teaching us what it is to praise God. So the first psalm we're going to look at highlights one particular emphasis of, uh, of God's character and what he is like. And um, I want to, before we jump into it, I want to kind of set the scene a little bit. So if you're um, a regular um, member at New Day or you attend regularly, you'll know that uh, we have some core values, some things that are important to us and some areas of ministry and some areas of teaching that we really highlight. Now, that's not to say that the other things that we don't hit on as much or you know, we don't um, talk about as much aren't important, but every church kind of has its own unique identity and its own things that it values and things that it really um, kind of puts forward in terms of, of just how it um, goes about ministry. Now, for us, we have four things that really you know, capture the heart of New Day, and one of those is intimacy with God. So intimacy with God is a really important value for this church, and um, hopefully we, we want that to come through in all types of ministry that we have here, whether that's worship or small groups or, or whatever is happening um, here at the church. We want to encourage this idea of intimacy with God. And so one of the ways that we do that is through uh, really coming into an understanding of God through his word and then also coming into an understanding of, of, of the gospel itself, that because Christ has, has died for us, he was buried, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven because of all of the things that Christ has done for us and because of what he has he has allowed us to do is to come into close relationship with God, that he has bridged that distance between us and God, that we can come close into his presence. And so in all that we're doing with talking about intimacy with God as a value here at New Day, it's based upon that gospel message that it's because of Christ and what he has done that we can come into God's presence and that we can be close to him. Well, one of the ways that that manifests itself here is that we have a very set teaching on how to hear God's voice because we believe if you hear God's voice it encourages you to have more intimacy with him as a loving father you get to hear his voice and so many of us have heard that teaching been through that teaching some of us have even taught that teaching but it's how to hear God's voice how to be able to hear him speak to us and be able to live our lives in light of his word and so that's something that we really value well in Psalm 29 we which is our first psalm for this morning we get a snapshot into God's voice, and it's a little bit different than some of the ways that we traditionally think about hearing God's voice and tying this whole idea of God's voice and intimacy. So let's read this together, and um, we've been reading these together off the screen as we've gone through these these three weeks, so let's do that again. So we'll put Psalm 29 up on the screen, and, and uh, let's read it together. Let's start with uh, Ascribe, so let's say this together. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. 
The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Have you ever been um, hearing the voice of God class or been listening to that? And it's come to you as thunder and lightning and a raging wind. This is really a little bit different than the way in which we typically understand God's voice. And in this psalm, we hear about God's voice and the strength that is there. Now, there's lots of different things that are happening in this psalm all at once to encourage us to give praise to God. So remember, this psalm is designed to encourage us to praise God. And so let's unpack a little bit of the things that are happening here. So first of all, this psalm talks about the greatness of God in relationship with what he has created. So there's lots of images here in this psalm about God's strength related to his creation. And so you see here that it talks about water, it talks about trees, it talks about mountains, it talks about uh, lightning, thunder, oaks, forests, flood. There's lots of pictures here of the natural world and God interacting with his natural world and displaying his strength. So that again points us back to what we looked at in Psalm 1 and then also in Genesis 1. That there's a direct connection here with the fact that God is, has strength and he has this majestic and awesome nature. And it's directly tied back with the fact that he is creator God and the fact that he has made all things and he rules over all things. Um, one of the verses um, talks about the fact that he is over the waters. The voice of the Lord in verse 3 is over the waters. And later on in verse 10, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. And these are direct references back to early in the creation story where the Spirit of God hovered over the waters in, in that creation story. The fact that God is over his creation and that he's ruling. So first of all, God in this psalm and in relating to his creation, we see that he is God over all. And again, that's the foundation for wisdom, the foundation for us putting our trust in him. Uh, second, this psalm is praising God and speaking of his greatness in a way that contrasts God of the Old Testament, the God of Israel, Yahweh, with the Canaanite God, Baal. So when you read your Old Testament um, stories, you'll read about the Canaanite God, Baal. And so um, in the Old Testament, the Canaanites, they would worship their gods, and Baal was, was one of them, was chief among them. And you see over and over that the Israelites are not to worship Baal. That when they go into the land of Canaan, they're not to worship the God of Canaan. They're to worship Yahweh. They're to worship God. And so time and time again, you see that the Israelites are caught in this 
this struggle of wanting to worship Baal at times and kind of giving in to worshiping him at times instead of worshiping Yahweh, instead of worshiping God. And there's this, this struggle that sometimes is there, but God is very clear that they're to worship him alone. And so um, one of the ways that, that, that the Canaanites believed that Baal showed up was in these huge thunderstorms that would come in. They would build up over the Mediterranean and they would blow in and they would whip the sand up off the desert and they would come through and they would blow across the land. And they would sometimes be so strong as to break the cedars of Lebanon. And the cedars of Lebanon are the strongest trees in that part of the world. You know, the equivalent might be the redwood forests and California sequoia trees. Just think of the biggest trees you can imagine. And sometimes those storms would come in and just snap those trees. They would strip the bark off the trees. Sometimes those storms would just come right through. And in those times, the Canaanites would say, that is Baal, Baal is God manifesting himself. This is him coming in and showing us how strong he is. And in this, in this psalm, the psalmist is saying, that's not Baal, that's that's a demonstration of, of God's strength, if it's anything. If you think that Baal is strong, it's, it's really God is strong. And it's, it's not God exerting his physical strength. This is just him speaking produces this effect. And so it was a picture for them of saying, look, God is so much greater than any God of the Canaanites, or he's so much greater than any other God, that even when he speaks, it's the same manifestation of strength as the greatest thing that any other God could produce. And so it's this, this way of speaking about the greatness of God that would then provoke and inspire in the hearts of the people this idea that we must praise God because he, has so, because he is so strong. And in verses 5 to 9, it goes into that detail about how powerful is God's voice, that it breaks the trees, even the most majestic trees. It shakes nations and deserts, and, his, and it strips the forests bare. There's a way of speaking about God here that is very imaginative and just really um, a picture of just the great strength of God. Now, we might say, well, the Israelites didn't understand, you know, they didn't understand the science about weather, so of course they would attribute this, you know, to something about, you know, a god or gods. You know, they didn't understand the science behind weather. They didn't have, have the radar to check if a thunderstorm was coming. They didn't have the weather channel. They didn't know all of these things that we know today. But remember that the Psalms are designed to be a picture to us. They're a poetic illustration of God's nature. And they take these images from their time. They take these images that they were familiar with and they take these ways of understanding their world and they, they show God's greatness in those images. And so even though you know, we're not saying that this is a new way to think about the weather, what we are saying is whenever they looked at those thunderstorms and they looked up at the sky and they could feel the wind coming and they could see the lightning coming in the distance, they did say to themselves, there is a great strength there and there is even an element of, of just awe that this storm is coming in and there's a sense where it's got this, this side of it where it's terrifying as well. <clears throat> you know, that side of you that wants to look at the storm, but you're also like, I maybe should go inside as well. And you're kind of caught between wanting to be in it and also away from it. And is that not a picture of, of God himself where there's times where we both want to be near him and yet we are afraid of him in the sense of we give awe and reverence to him. And so they took what they knew and they said, this tells us something about God. This tells us that he is majestic. He is powerful. He is glorious. He is strong. He is both to be, to be feared and to be run to. And so there's that sense in which they took what they knew 
and they use that as a way to praise God. So when we are at New Day wanting to talk about hearing God's voice, often for us it's the sense of a still, small voice that we hear from God, this still, small voice that speaks to us, and there is precedent for that in scriptures. But there's also this side of God's voice that is strong and mighty and powerful and and just awesome and could never be captured. And could, there's nothing that you could do to contain the strength of the voice of the Lord when he speaks. And so even when we hear God's voice in a still small way, we know that it comes with strength and it comes with this majestic force into our lives. And it might not look like it strips bark off trees, but it does come with a weight and an authority that the picture of bark being stripped off a tree, it comes into our lives with that same force where it strips away the things that God does not want us to have in our lives, where it comes in with truth and it comes in with wisdom. And so it's another element to understanding God's voice and it encourages us to praise God and to give him glory. So let's pray in response to Psalm 29 and then we'll move on to our next psalm of praise. Let's pray together. O Lord, you are majestic and worthy of the glory that is due to your name. We recognize your awesome splendor that is visible in your creation. You are the one who has made all things and we worship you as the creator God. We desire to hear your voice, O God, and to learn your ways and to draw close to you. We also recognize the great and mighty part of your voice to display your strength and your majesty, to create life and to impart wisdom. Help us to draw near to you, to hear your voice and yet recognize your greatness and your majesty. Give strength to us, your people, and bless us with peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's turn to... Um, another psalm of praise, and uh, this one is in Psalm 98, so it's a little bit longer than the one we just read, but uh, let's, let's read this together, and uh, we'll put it on the screen. Okay, and let's start. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp with the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands and let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. All right. 
Psalm 98. So some of the language there of praising God is maybe a little bit more familiar. This, this whole idea of sing to the Lord a new song. We see that phrase quite a bit throughout the Psalms, especially in these praise Psalms, and tying this whole idea of praise and worship together. And that's something that's continued from Old Testament times right through to, to, to this morning, where we come together as a church, and Christians have always come together and tied praise with music and with worshiping God. Okay, there's a couple of things in this psalm that I wanted to highlight in particular. So first of all, there's a pattern that's built into this psalm that as you go through it, it's like it's like these uh, like a like you throw a stone in a, in a lake and it ripples out. There's this ripple effect in this psalm that's taking place as you go through it. And first of all, um, what it's doing is starting with the people who are gathered in worship. So this psalm would have been used. And when the people would have gotten together to worship God, and it would have been used in this corporate setting as they get together and they worship him. And in the first three verses, what they're doing is they're encouraging each other and they're saying to each other as they declare and worship, they're saying, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. So what they're saying is let's worship God together. Let's worship him. And let's remember he's done marvelous things and that he has worked for salvation for us. In verse 2, the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So this is the first circle. And basically what they're doing is they're saying to each other, Remember what God has done. Remember what he's like. Remember his greatness. Remember his love and remember his faithfulness. They're reminding each other that God is worthy to be praised. And often for us, too, we need those reminders that God is worthy to be praised. And in the middle of our work week or family life or just listening to the news, whatever's going on in your life, you don't get that many reminders that God is worthy to be praised on, you know, listening to the news and just kind of following along with some of the events that happen around us in life. And so there are those moments and there's that need for us to encourage each other and to be reminded that God is worthy to be praised. And that's one important element as we gather together in church every week is that we come together and remind each other that God is worthy to be praised. And that's what they're doing as they came together and worship. And so as they would sing together, they're singing to God, but they're singing to each other and encouraging each other that God is worthy to be praised. So that's the first circle. The second goes a little bit wider. And you find that in the next section of verses. And so starting in verse 4, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, and burst into jubilant song with music. And you go through the end of verse 6, where it talks about this making music to God and this whole idea of it rippling out one more in one more ring, starting with God's people as they gather together, but then going to the ends of the earth and going to all of the earth. So what this is telling us is that there's a sense in which the glory of God and the praise of God is not just confined to his own people. The glory of God and the praise of God was always designed for all people 
throughout the entire world. And you see this theme come up time and time again in the book of Psalms, where it's not just worshipping God just because you get together to worship God and that's as far as it goes. There's a sense in which we're always worshipping God, but we're always wanting more people to come into this place of worshipping God, where it should always radiate out. In the book of Acts, it talks about the gospel going from Jerusalem to Samaria and Judea to the ends of the earth. And we always think about that you know, spreading out. Well, you see the same type of pattern here in the Old Testament in the Psalms where God's praise starts with his people, but then it radiates out to all nations and to all people. And God's desire has always been that all people should know him. And even though he had this special binding covenant relationship with with the Israelites, with his people, it was never designed just to be God and the Israelites. It was always designed that from that group of people that God's name would be known and he would be praised by all peoples across the whole earth. And so you see that that's the second kind of circle uh, that you see here as his praise radiates out. And then finally, the last section we see is that uh, you have creation itself praising God. And that starts in verse 7 through the end of the psalm, where it uses words like, let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, the rivers clap their hands, the mountains sing together for joy, let them sing before the Lord. You have this idea that it's not just enough for God's people to praise him. It's not just enough for other nations and other peoples to praise him, but God is so worthy of praise that even his physical creation must praise him and should praise him. It wasn't just humanity's relationship that God that was distorted and destroyed because of the fall. Creation itself, the physical creation, was, was brought into a new state of being with God because of the fall. The curse of the fall extended even to the physical creation. And so when God renews all things, he renews the physical creation. He renews the heavens and the earth. And so in this psalm, it's saying not just to us as God's people and to the nations, but it's saying to the, to the physical earth itself that you must praise God. You must cry out in praise to God. And you have this, this remember these are kind of poems and music. They have this sense of um, the rivers and the mountains and all of creation being given expression to worship God. So you have those three, three circles rippling out where praise starts with his people and then it ripples out to other nations and then it goes even to the physical creation itself. Our final psalm is Psalm 100. So let's read that together. Let's start for giving thanks, a shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. So let's start with a shout for joy. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So this psalm is maybe one of the more familiar ones that we've looked at in these three weeks. And it's one that's used a lot in, um, in maybe in times of worship or this whole idea of coming into God's presence. We use this expression of entering his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. We use that as a way to talk about coming into God's presence, especially in worship. And so this psalm really 
emphasizes a few different things that are seen typically when we're encouraged to praise God. So one, again, is the foundation that God has made us and he's made all things, this pointing back to the fact he is creator, that he's worthy of praise, not just our praise, but the praise of the whole earth. You see that again, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. And this psalm too, and in many of the, these praise psalms, you see this deep connection between worshiping God and music and artistic expression. And so worshiping God in, in Old Testament times, wasn't, it wasn't a boring and kind of dry experience. There was a lot of noise. There was a lot of sights. There was a lot of smells, even as they sacrificed animals. There was a lot going on. It was this very all-encompassing experience. And there's a lot of um, action involved in worship in the Old Testament. And you see that come through strongly in the book of Psalms. And so again, for us, we're encouraged to come into God's presence, to come in to worship him, not in a, in a sense, not in a reserved way, but to come in ready to worship him and, and ready to give him thanks and praise. And this tying of worship and praise with song and with artistic expression. And so maybe you're not an artist or a singer or musician, but, um, but that's still, we still use those gifts so that we're all together brought into Worship, so that we all together are called in to worship God, so that we can come into his presence with joy and thanksgiving, because we know that we are his, that he cares for us, and that he's good. And you see all of these elements kind of wrapped together in this psalm, that he's our creator, we are his, we're to worship him with joy and thanksgiving, come right into his presence with joy, give thanks to his name, his love endures forever. You see lots of these themes that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks kind of come together in this psalm. And so as we close and think about how do we apply the book of Psalms in our everyday life? And I've hinted at this a lot during these last um, few weeks. But even though there's a distance of culture and time between us and when these Psalms were originally written, when we read the Psalms and when we let them speak to us, we actually see a lot that sounds familiar we see in the Psalms uh, a spiritual experience or an experience with God that the writers are having that either we ourselves, we can resonate with and we can say, yeah, that's what I'm going through. Or sometimes you read the Psalms and you say, I want to be in that place. I want to be in that place of closeness with God or I want to be in that place of giving him thanksgiving. So the Psalms can help give words and give voice to your own emotions and to your own feelings and what you're going through. They are a template for how to come into God's presence, how to be close to him, how to have that intimacy of relationship with him. And there's a depth of sorrow in the Psalms as we've looked at, both great joy and great sorrow. There's a sense of God being majestic as the creator God and being just above all things. But then there's also a sense in which we can come very near to him and he comes very near to us. And you see that throughout the book of Psalms. And the Psalms gives us, it gives us words for, for the best and most joyous times in our lives and for the worst and most sorrowful times. You know, there's a reason that we use the words of Psalm 23 at funerals and remembrance services because those words capture a sense of the fact that God is with us in our lowest times, that he's with us in those worst of moments. But there's also a sense in which when you use those words for yourself, that you're becoming part of a long and established faith community and tradition where you know that generations of people who have put their trust in God have used these exact same words. And there is a a strength and a depth that we draw from that. It's this intangible strength that we draw, where as we use those words, we use them in a way that we say faithfully, 
God has used these words in generation after generation of people who have sought him. And he's brought them comfort through these words. And I know if I pray these words and if I use these words, that they can do for me what they have done for other people, that they can speak to my heart and my life just as they have done for many others. On the flip side, we use a lot of um, our praise and worship expressions and words come from the book of Psalms. And there's no accident to that either. The fact that the Psalms inspire us to praise, they give us the vocabulary, they give us the words to praise and worship God. And so whatever we're going through, the book of Psalms can really help to give voice to that. So I'd encourage you to read the Psalms regularly and carefully and let them sink in. You know, the Psalms work best if you read them slowly. You know, if you just skim over them, you catch parts. But when you really just sit on a psalm and just let it kind of soak in, that's where it really becomes full and that's where it becomes rich for you. You could journal using the psalms. You could even use them as a framework for your own prayers. And so that's what I've done these few weeks is just we've read a psalm, we've talked about it, and then I've just written a prayer in response to that psalm. And we've used that in worship. It's really simple. And you're just putting your own expression on that psalm as you find it in scripture and allowing it to be a framework and a shape for you so that the psalms can ultimately become the cry of your heart in good times and in bad times and they can allow you to approach God in all seasons of life to cause you to grow closer to him and so as we close we'll just pray in response to psalms 98 and 100 so let's pray together Oh God, you are worthy of praise. You are marvelous in your salvation and in your faithfulness. As we gather together as your people, we remember and encourage each other that you are good. You've shown your goodness and your faithfulness to us, and we declare that you're worthy of praise. God, you are not only worthy of our praise, but the praise of every person on this earth, for you have made them and you sustain them. Oh God, may the nations praise you and all the earth glorify your name cause creation itself to pour out praise and honor to you O god the creator of all things when we worship you we remember your enduring love your goodness and your faithfulness we sing songs of joy and praise glory and honor to you when we come into your presence again we say that you are good and your love endures forever you are faithful throughout all generations we praise your name O god Amen. Amen. Thanks.